Oh my, hark, what light, oh, whatever from that, I can't remember the poem all of a sudden. He's probably written it down and he's got it recorded historically or hysterically. Good morning, Dr. History. Good morning, Zeb. You better not try to quote Shakespeare. What light from yonder window shineth? <laughs> Yeah, you, I think you know about as much about it as I do. And then Juliet says, hey, it's me, you dummy. The light on the closet's left open or something. That's right. <laughs> okay. How you doing? Um, I'm worried, Doc. I really am. I think we're losing so much in this country as our rights and our freedoms and our land. I'm very concerned, and that's why I said what I said a moment ago. Well, I, I've got to agree with you. Everything that makes me nervous, too. Yeah. You know, last week uh, we did kind of a expose again on whether or not Billy the Kid met his demise at the bullet of Pat Garrett or not. And I was really surprised at the amount of people that were listening to that. And of the people that voiced their opinion, I was shocked. Most of the people agreed that they don't think that Pat Garrett killed Billy the Kid. Well, you know, we, we debated that a little bit, and it's definitely one of those things that we just really don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Isn't, it, isn't it funny, though, as much as you study history, I don't care whether it's the Civil War, uh, whether it's the Revolutionary War, if it has anything to do with the Old West and Billy the Kid or whomever, there's still, still, and it's not that long ago, there's still a lot of doubt and mystery involving a lot of characters in the Old West. Well, and unfortunately... A lot of people didn't write. Yes. So. Yes. Anyway. What are we going to talk about today? Well, a couple of good old friends of yours. <laughs> good old friends of mine. <laughs> Charles Goodnight and Oliver Loving. Ah, the famous Cattle Drive Trails. Yeah, the Beast Bonanza. Yep. Uh, one reason for the long reign of Dodge City is the cowboy capital was the development of the great new grazing area in the Texas Panhandle during the 1870s. Mm -hmm. Now, Texas ranchers had known for a long time that that was great country for cattle, and of course with the passing of the big buffalo herds uh, and the removal of the Comanches, here we had a huge ocean, if you want to call it that, of grass that suddenly became open for ranching. That's right. So in 1875, there was a fort called Fort Elliott that was established to kind of help detour Indian raids, and that same year, a rancher left Colorado and started driving a herd south of Texas, and his name was Charles Goodnight. Mm -hmm. Now, his career as a cattleman had actually begun a long time before uh, the Civil War. As a boy of 11 years old, he rode a horse bareback from Illinois to Texas, and by 1857, he was running a herd of cattle. Well, when the other Texans began driving their cattle north in 1866, Goodnight decided to try the Western market. Uh, he knew that beef was scarce and brought really good prices in New Mexico because there were a lot of soldiers on Army posts and there was a lot of Indians on the reservations. So he uh, kind of leaned towards that market. Mm -hmm. Now, he formed a partnership with a guy by the name of Oliver Loving. Yes. You know, those are the two guys that I'm, are the, kind of the stars of today's story. Mm -hmm. But uh, he gathered a mixed herd of 2,000 cows and steers, and in 1866, the two partners and 18... Uh, helpers, cowpunchers started this uh, drive. Now, for this journey, uh, Charles Goodnight, he was a pretty smart guy. Uh, he constructed what was probably the first chuck wagon. He bought the gear of an old army wagon, and he had it rebuilt with the toughest wood they knew, which was actually wood that the Indians used for making bows, mm -hmm. called Osage Orange. Mm -hmm. uh, and the wooden axles were replaced with iron, 
And for lubrication, uh, they used uh, tallow instead of tar. Uh, and instead of horses, they got uh, some really sturdy oxen to draw the wagon. Mm-hmm. Now, at the rear of the bed, he built a chuck box with a hinged lid that dropped down to form the table for the cook to work on. And in fact, uh, duplicates of Goodnight's chuck wagon were soon seen all over the range and the cattle trails. And really over the years, the, when you see a chuck wagon nowadays, it's pretty much a replica of what Charles Goodnight developed. Have you ever been to a real, authentic chuck wagon dinner? You know, I've, done a, I've been to a lot of Dutch oven dinners and things like that, uh, probably the closest I've been. I was in Amarillo, Texas, uh, oh gosh, it's been about five or six years ago, uh, doing an event down in Amarillo, and they took us out to a real uh, Red Steagall and everybody else there, a uh, real chuck wagon dinner, and man, that was authentic. Well, and you know, as I mentioned before, if you can keep those cowboys fed, uh, and watered, so to speak, <laughs> they're going to work and do their job. Yeah, one of the meanest guys, meanest, toughest guys in all of a trail drive outfit was the cook. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I can tell you a story about that. I'll have to tell you later. But okay. Anyway, uh, uh, story my dad tells. But uh, anyway, moving on. <laughs> all right. It sounds almost like, well, never mind. We've covered some of that territory when we talked about the wild women of the West, too. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> no, it's something else, but I'll have to tell you later. <laughs> anyway, moving on. <laughs> Uh, well, so they were driving south to avoid the Comanches, uh, good night and loving. They had their lo- longhorns, and uh, at one particular time, for three days, over 80 miles of with no water, uh, they uh, the, this herd was getting really thirsty, and when they got close to the Pecos, uh, the, the herd became unmanageable. Uh, they took off. Several were drowned in the stampede, and... Um, uh, there were so many cattle in the river that it actually blocked the river. Mm. Wow. Anyway, they rested for three days, and they, uh, the herd swung north along the Pecos, and they trailed actually over to Fort Sumner, New Mexico. And the gamble on this western drive paid off really good for good night and loving, more than they'd expected. Now, the, the contractor at Fort Sumner would not take all of the cattle, he, but he did pay eight cents a pound on the hoof for the steers, which mm-hmm. was an amazing price at that time. Right. But the beef was needed to feed the starving Navajos and the government guys at the fort. Uh, so, so anyway, good night. He quickly returned to Texas with $12,000 in gold to buy more cattle. Now, Oliver Loving, he continued toward Denver, herding the unsold cows and calves. And um, when he was going along there, he came to a toll gate. There was a chain across uh, uh, a little canyon-type thing. There was a guy named... Uncle Dick, that had constructed a crude road through a pass, and he put up a toll gate. And he was charging 10 cents a head to get those cattle through. Wow. Well, the following year, Goodnight was driving another herd through there, and he had to pay the same toll. But by the next year, they uh, found another route to avoid uh, Uncle Dick. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. This this is really interesting because when you do the math, and I'm going to do this off the top of my head real fast, you're talking about at Denver, the cattle in the yards were worth about 40 bucks a head, right? Okay. At 8 cents a pound, isn't that right? Uh-huh. Figuring that they're about 500 pounds. And if they charge 10 cents a head for a passage uh, on this guy's property, etc., that means a herd that would be worth about $80,000 when they got to Denver, 2,000 head herd, that means it would drop it if they had to pay that total of 10 cents. That drops it down to about 60,000. They're losing 20 grand. 
Yeah, I mean, this, this guy was, I mean, he had a slick operation there. My, mother, my math teacher would really be proud of me. <laughs> he would. <laughs> but uh, anyway, they, they found a way around that. So Now, the partnership of Oliver Loving and Charles Goodnight uh, kind of came somewhat to an end in 1867. Um, the com they had their herd going, and Comanches attacked their herd near a place called Horsehead Crossing. Mm -hmm. And you may know where that's at. But mm -hmm. They stampeded most of the cattle, and to further complicate matters, a thunderstorm broke out suddenly, and so after a night of danger and confusion and everything, the trail drivers found the herd split into two sections with the Comanches on all sides. So things were not good, but anyway, because of the delays in rounding up the scattered cattle, uh, Oliver Loving and a, uh, his part, or an, uh, one of his guys, his name was One-Armed Bill Wilson, <laughs> they rode toward, for, toward Fort Sumner to notify the government contractor that they'd be a little slower getting the cattle in. Yeah, that One-Armed Bill Wilson was the guy without any left foot, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. They called him lefty. All right. Anyway, but riding only at night and hiding in the brush during the day, Loving and Wilson made pretty good progress for two days. But at night or at noon on the third day, Loving suggested that they continue without waiting till it got dark, because mm -hmm. they hadn't seen any Indians along the route and there was no evidence of any raiding parties. So, so they took off. But they'd only traveled about ten miles when they saw a band of Comanches coming down. Oh boy. Well, they spurred their horses, took off, made a dash for the Pecos, but they didn't make it. They got to a kind of a ditch that was covered with brush. Mm -hmm. They were pretty well armed. They had six shooters, rifles. They had a considerable amount of ammunition, but there were about 100 Indians in the party. Now, after surrounding Loving and Wilson, okay, here they are surrounded, the Comanches started firing. Well, darkness fell, and one of the Indians called out, in, as it started to get dark, he called out in Spanish, uh, proposing some kind of a surrender. Well, the trapped men decided to talk, and while they kind of stood up to talk, um, uh, a bullet uh, came through and hit Loving's hand and side, so they dropped back down into the ditch and started firing back at the Indians until they retreated. So here we have Loving and Wilson in this ditch. Loving is wounded, trying to take care of his wounds as best as he can, and as nighttime fell, he got too weak to really do much, so... Uh, the Comanches started dropping arrows perpendicularly into the ditch. Right. With, and also throwing rocks at these guys. So they're shooting up in the air, letting the arrows come down and fall on them. Oh, that's grade school. They didn't have to throw rocks. The teacher really would nail them for that. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> but anyway, Loving thought he was dying. So he finally convinced Wilson that he should try to make an escape through the darkness. Now, wait a minute, Doc, Doc, be sensible here. Loving thought he was dying. He got shot, Doc. He might no, have been dying. <laughs> in the arm. Okay. <laughs> he, but he got, yeah, see, he thought he was dying or going to bleed to death. So anyway, Wilson's escape is kind of one of the classics of the Old West. Uh, one on Bill, he carried his Henry rifle, and he crawled down the ditch to the, finally got the river, and he saw Comanches in the stream waiting for him, and three times he tried to get through uh, underwater, and uh, three times he came back, and finally he was able to get through, crawled under some overhanging brush, and, and uh, anyway, he finally got through. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. 
Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. So, but that wasn't the last of his problems because he was on foot. So here he is walking through the desert, burning sun, walked on foot for miles until he finally met Charles Goodnight. Yep. And so a relief party was formed immediately, and Goodnight uh, leading the, 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 the party, they raced back to the scene on, on the Pecos there. And when they reached the ditch where they thought Wilson had left Loving, they found nothing, hundreds of arrows uh, and a lot of stones, but no, no Loving. Uh, well, rainfall had come and uh, messed up all the footprints, so they couldn't follow anything. And old one-armed Bill, he just figured Loving had shot himself, and the Indians had thrown his body in the river, so they gave him up as dead. But Oliver Loving was not dead. For two days, he'd held out against the Comanches, another two days. And, you know, I'm guessing he may not have had even any water, I don't know. But uh, so against the pain and fever of his wounds and uh, hunger, of course, uh, the Indians kept showering him with Indians and rocks, and he even actually had tried to tunnel through a sand bank, or they, they did, the Indians, to get to him. But finally on the third night, he was starting to get a little crazy with fever and hunger and thirst, and so he actually crawled down to the same river that Wilson had done, and he actually escaped. Mm-hmm. And for three more days, he wandered. Uh, he, in fact, at one point, he stopped and tried to cook his buckskin gloves for food. And he was in a stupor when a German immigrant and uh, three Mexicans found him. Mm-hmm. Well, they took Loving to Fort Sumner, and uh, several days later, Charles Goodnight found him standing in the fort uh, inside there. Well, gangrene affected Loving's arm, and the only doctor in Sumner wanted to cut it off. Well, after the operation, Goodnight uh, didn't like the looks of what was going on, and so he sent a man to Las Vegas to get a, an actual trained surgeon. But nothing could save Oliver Loving. He died uh, after getting a promise from Goodnight that he'd take his body back to Texas. Now, what does this tell you? What uh, does this whole story tell you that actually happened? This is exactly the scenario that was used in that great miniseries, Lonesome Dove. Yeah. Exactly. To the, to the minute detail, they absolutely took history and turned it into a screenplay for Lonesome Dove, and that's exactly what happened with Gus in the movie Lonesome Dove. Yeah. Well, you know, and Goodnight was going to keep his word. He was going to take his body back to Texas. And he found some, uh, I guess, some kind of oil cans or something, and he flattened them out, and then he made some kind of a tin coffin uh, or casket, and uh, they took Oliver Loving back home to Texas in this tin casket. Mm-hmm. But So here we've got Loving, Oliver Loving is gone. Charles Goodnight, uh, and I'm, I know we're running out of time, so I'm going to finish up with Charles here. Uh, he continued his cattle drives to Colorado, and he ranged cattle in New Mexico uh, on the Bosque Grande, and I, again, you may know where that is. But I do. That's an area that was later taken over by John Chisholm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and of course, John Chisholm, as we mentioned last week, uh, hooked in with Billy the Kid a little bit. Yeah, that was John Wayne. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so Chisholm and Goodnight were good friends, and uh, Goodnight trailed a lot of Chisholm's cattle, uh, actually northward. But uh, in 1869, Goodnight uh, uh, selected a, a valley in Colorado on the Arkansas River, and he decided to locate a ranch there. And the next year, he got married, and for three years, he actually did very well as a rancher. He uh, 
ir- uh, had irrigation in his uh, on his ranch. He was a banker. But there was a panic in 1873 of some type, and I'm not real familiar with that, but it pretty well wiped him out. Mm-hmm. And he spent another couple of years trying to recover from that. And he actually got a, a herd of about 2,000 cattle in 1875, and he was uh, going to drive south to the Texas Panhandle. And as he was going, he knew he wanted to find another ranch. And uh, he actually found a kind of like a box canyon valley type thing that was hard to get down into. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, buffalo grass covered the whole valley. Uh, to get uh, down into the plain where uh, he wanted to be, he had to go single file down an old Indian trail. And he actually took apart his chuck wagon and lowered it down by Lariat to get it down into this canyon. Wow. And they found 10,000 buffalo down there feeding on the grass. Wow. So they chased them out. And they were all owned by Ted Turner. <laughs> they are now. <laughs> but no fencing was needed. They had good water. Grass was uh, great. Uh, and he, he named this Old Home Ranch. And it was the first ranch in the panhandle. Right. Now, when Goodnight uh, met a guy by the name of John G. Adair, uh, Adair offered to finance this cattle ranch, and they became partners. And that's where you get the famed J.A. initials. Mm-hmm. Um, which I imagine was also his brand. Right, but, right. And it flourished from the beginning, and uh, Herefords proved to be pretty successful. Um, and, uh, you know, their partnership realized a profit of over half a million dollars. And back then, you know, that was huge money. Absolutely. But anyway, after about 11 years, Goodnight withdrew from the JA, and he wanted his own ranch. And so he went uh, down and uh, started his own place, and they actually named the place Goodnight. But one of the experiments, and I'd never heard of this before, but he conducted on his ranch was the crossbreeding of buffaloes and cattle. I mean, I've heard of it now, but not back then. Mm-hmm. But the calves, they actually named them cattleos, mm-hmm. whereas now we call them beefaloes. Right. But uh, he didn't figure they were that successful as meat producers. And another thing that he did was kind of interesting. He actually designed a saddle for Western women. Um, after witnessing an accident uh, with a woman on a side saddle, he decided to design a safe side saddle, and uh, I didn't find any pictures or anything like have that. You, have you ever got on a saddle, a side saddle? I never have. I sat up on one. This has been years and years ago back in Wisconsin. A guy had one of those old western side saddles. And I got on a horse with that side saddle, and I'll tell you this much. Any woman in the Old West that would ride one of those side saddles, they were just inviting a Blue Cross Blue Shield insurance uh, investigation because, man, I'll tell you, I don't know how they stayed on them. Yeah. Anything faster than a jog, I mean, you had to really have a controllable horse because <laughs> no yeah. balance whatsoever. Well, and this Goodnight side saddle was very popular, and I don't know what the difference between that and the older style was, uh, but it came into general use in the Old West. Wow. They, they used a lot, and, uh, you know, it kind of makes you understand why, uh, you know, and I've told the story before about some of the women that came out west and disguised themselves as men. Yes. Uh, so they could, you know, dress and ride like a like a man. Yeah, look at Barney Frank. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> one other thing too quickly. 
before you go this morning is, uh, isn't it amazing when you take the story about loving and good night and uh, the amazing escape from the Indians and how that was adapted to the script for um, the movie Lonesome Dove and all of the uh, different, uh, I don't know, battles, Indian affairs, uh, all this through history have been adapted into movies and TV series and nobody ever gets credit for that. Yeah. Well, and, and I can't remember from the movie, but, you know, Goodnight insisted on strict rules for his men. No card playing, no liquor, uh, and his, his cowpunchers either loved him or hated him. Yeah. And, in fact, uh, his cattle drives to Dodge City were not a real push. They were so leisurely that a lot of his steers actually gained weight on the trail. Yeah, well, you take, like, if you've got to pay a toll at some of these places, I mean, uh, 10 cents a head doesn't sound like a lot. When you're talking thousands of head, boy, that's really going to eat into the profits at the railhead. And, and I'm thinking, did he really carry that much money with him? Yeah, um, very interesting subject this morning. But, you know, what we ought to do is uh, I'm going to put the bite on you for this. Let's right. take some of these other Wild West scenarios that have been incorporated into major motion pictures, i.e. Lonesome Dove, from the factual loving goodnight uh, confrontation with the Indians. And uh, we ought to try to do some of these studies like uh, John Wayne played John Chisholm, you know, the big rancher in New Mexico. Uh -huh. And we ought to try to figure out what movies portrayed what honestly factual historical event. You know, that would be interesting to, to do a comparison. I mean, uh, uh, I've, I've got something in front of me right now that I've had here on my desk, Lonesome Dove, you know. Uh, there's another one called Lazarus Man, and I'm not familiar with that. They even mentioned Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't know how accurate that is. Well, we need to do a little study on this, and you're so doggone good at this that uh, we could take uh, the old movies up to the modern day, whether it's The Lonesome Dove or you can go back in uh, Wyatt Earp and all these other movies and really find out about the actual content as to whether or not it was uh, portrayed as true or did Hollywood really mess it up. Yeah. Well, in conclusion... Charles Goodnight died in 1929. He actually, he lived to be, you know, he actually lived to be 93. Really? Yeah. Holy One smokes. of the last giants of the old cattle trails, he lived to be 93, which, again, back then, considering the lifestyle they had, that, that's pretty unusual. Yeah, and he's comparable to what you are right now. <laughs> Real close. <laughs> hey, I got to run, but God bless you. Thanks so much. The greatest guy in the world right now, Dr. History, Dr. Ken Turner. I yes, really enjoyed that this morning. Bye. All right. Take care, buddy. Thank you.